rifling through those long boxes. It's gotta be here, it's gotta be here, it's gotta be here. Aha! Here it is! And bagging those books. I'm out of bags and boards again. Welcome to your home for Star Wars comics. The Cosmic Force Podcast. A Utini Podcast Network production. And now, here are your hosts, Parker Kirk, Caleb Laminek, and Jacob Boach. Hello and welcome everyone to the Cosmic Force, your weekly-ish uh, Star Wars comics podcast. Uh, again, just a reminder, we are now audio only, so we'd love if you go follow us on your favorite audio podcast platform and leave us a review if you're feeling so inclined. Thanks to everyone for tuning in this week. If you want to support the show, go head on over to patreon.com slash utini for where as little as $5 a month, you can gain exclusive access to the entire utini podcast network of shows. But with that out of the way, let's jump into it. And we have a very, very special episode for you this week because uh, we're joined by a special guest. But really quickly, before I get to that, uh, Oz is back. He's alive. And Caleb is joining me as well. How are you two doing? Excellent. Uh, good. Excellent. We both just saluted because we forgot. That no one can see that. But hey, yeah, it, was, no. it was for me. And I appreciate that. Um, but, you know, we'll have a lot of time to talk. But before we do that, we also have to introduce our special guest. And that is... One uh, very special, Ethan Sachs, uh, the writer of Star Wars Bounty Hunters, as well as several miniseries, including Star Wars Allegiance and uh, Galaxy's Edge. So we're very excited to have Ethan come on the show after the conclusion of his Bounty Hunters run. So, Ethan, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, we're very excited to talk about uh, this great comic series that we've uh, you know, had the pleasure of reading over Four years now, which is uh, crazy to say. And, you know, uh, I'm very happy uh, after we talked with Hayden a couple weeks ago about the last issue. But it's great to now kind of talk to you about the series as a whole. So obviously, I think like a very common question is, you know, what? how did you really make your way into the franchise and make your way into start writing for Star Wars? I know you have a, a journalism background, but what was it like making your way into writing for uh, a galaxy far, far away? Well, first of all, uh, since people can't see me, um, can't see the video of this interview, for those of you who haven't seen me before, just picture kind of a Chris Hemsworth doppelganger <laughs> speaking. It checks out. It's, yeah, I, can I was going to say, yeah, um, it's eerie. So, so uh, well, f- first of all, I've been a lifelong Star Wars fan, literally since I was four years old, plopped uh, by my father in a movie theater in the summer of 1977. And something tripped in my brain when I, you know, heard the John Williams score and saw the Star Destroyer fly over my head or what it felt like over my head. Um, and my life was never the same afterwards. I probably would have been a very successful, like, lawyer or business person had I not seen the movie back then. No. Um, but I was a journalist for many years. I was 20 years at the New York Daily News. And uh, one of the things I covered was the so-called geek beat, which was largely, like, when I started in the feature section, like there just wasn't a lot of the reporters were older at the time and just were not that interested. Um, so I started covering everything from comic books to star Wars, to horror movies, to later on, you know, like walking dead game of Thrones, that sort of thing. Um, so I, I, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, not to interrupt, but was this like a uh, chicken or egg scenario? Like, were you, did you pick up that beat because, like, you were really into that? Or was it like, well, you're the person who, you're the obligatory, you know, under 30 here. So it's your job to look into these things. 
No, it was definitely me. I mean, I pitched stuff and, and they let me do a lot of what I wanted to. So, um, you know, where that becomes, uh, a career changer for me was in 2016, I did a, um, may the fourth be with you story. Uh, it was a online story for the daily news. And I interviewed this actor named Paul Blake who played Greedo. And we were joking about who shot first because, you know, I'm of age where I, I saw quite clearly Han Solo shooting first. Um, and uh, he had this whole running joke thing where he described, you know, Rito's myopic vision and things like that. But he did say in the script, it said Han shoots alien. And I don't know why I couldn't get it out of my head. Um, I was good friends with Joe Casada, who at the time was the chief creative officer at Marvel, former editor-in-chief. And we went to a Mets game um, set, and I basically said, I said, I have an idea for a, a comic, sort of the murder investigation to Greedo. I, it, like, it, I can't get out of my head. I think it's funny. You know, I'm a reporter, so like, do you mind if I write a spec script? On the off chance you publish it, I'll just donate the proceeds to charity or something because, you know, I can't profit off it. Uh, but I just I just could not get this idea out of my head. And his response was, whatever, go <laughs> ahead. And um, <laughs> not enthusiastic at all. So well, just to give you the shortest version of the story, I end up doing a deep dive. I've never written a comic book script. I did this deep dive into the scripts of the comics that I love for like pacing and formatting and all this kind of stuff. I contacted Lucasfilm uh, because I had, you know, from through the publicity department, I had done various stories over the years so they put me in touch with Pablo Hidalgo who I talked about what I couldn't and couldn't do in in canon so I send the script off uh and I hear nothing for like two months so I think okay wow he must really have hated it uh I go to Japan uh my wife's Japanese so we went to visit my in-laws plane lands September 7th 2016 and I turn on my phone and I get the email that changes my life with the subject line f Greedo. Uh, I will not spell that out because I don't know <laughs> how family friendly um, this podcast yes, will be. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So I was like, wow, he really must have hated it. But the the upshot was like, never mind, Greedo. Um, like you can actually write. Oh, and, okay. um, yeah. and that got me in the door. Like he forwarded it to Axel Alonso, who was then editor in chief. And like that was the first domino. And then they were like, let's find something for you to write. Um Eventually, I had the the chance to pitch Old Man Hawkeye, which became my first sort of big mm. hit. And uh, this is getting somewhere, I, I promise. <laughs> this is getting to the point. Um, somewhere along the way, I did a, um, a Silver Surfer annual where mm. the editor was an assistant editor from the Star Wars line who was getting his first chance to sort of edit something like as the person. And it was Thomas Groneman. And we just hit it off like we just it was just one of those projects where everything was smooth and like I, the artist and i we just, we just it was just like there was it was almost like textbook you know and um uh it won some kind of like internal award at marvel uh for best annual or something like that and so you know we were getting to talking and i knew he was in the star wars office and i i told him about being four and you know, the various times in my career, I've been able to tell, uh, like, Carrie Fisher about my experiences, you know, with mm -hmm. my father and, and seeing the movie and all this kind of stuff and George Lucas. <laughs> um, so 
long story short, they I got my first chance with a 10 page Mace Windu story that was uh, for Age of Republic special. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, ironically enough, I was teaming with Paolo Villanelli, but that, you know, was just a coincidence later. And um, yeah, the rest is sort of history. Man, that's great. I think um, that's a cool story, but it had a really dangerous piece of information in there uh, is that apparently Star Wars publishers accept spec scripts. Uh, they do not. They do not. <laughs> well, that's not what I just heard. Yes. Uh, all you have to uh, do and is it's be, not, be not Star Wars publishers. Yeah, you have to be friends for like 20 years with Joe <laughs> Uh, really uh, and Joe's not at Joe, Joe's not uh, at Marvel anymore. If he if he That's was, true. maybe that would work. For <laughs> yeah, but, uh, that that ship has sailed. All right, I got. Do go. you still I'm, have I'm, that um, that Greedo story floating around? Is, is I, that do, ever I do. I do. Uh, no, it was. Uh, I think there was Lucasfilm politely uh, passed on it. I think I think there might have been some continuity things that they yeah. didn't didn't want to set in place, let's just say. Right. That, I think. Something it was about not, poking it was a, not... at a hornet's nest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Although although I was machine, very so I was very <laughs> careful to follow, you know, the the guidelines that I was given. Well like speaking of that, yeah, and you mentioned this, you know, we're we, we do really want to talk a lot about bounty hunters here, but you know, that since that wasn't your first work, you know, you did the Galaxy's Edge miniseries, Allegiance, several shorter things. What was it like working on like Galaxy's Edge and Allegiance? Were they like was that because you know, was that something well that you had like a wide open like, hey, you can do whatever you want with a Mace Windu story, or like, hey, we want this Mace Windu story with you know, and just write this sort of thing? I mean, I, I think that there's tremendous freedom within the context of what you're supposed to do. So if, as an example, uh, for Galaxy's Edge, you know, we knew it was connected to the theme park, park. and theme park wasn't open mm -hmm. yet, which uh, much to the consternation of uh, artist Will Sliney, who had to, to pick <laughs> things that were still being built, you know, um, and it was so did cool. Did he get because, like concept art, I guess? So, or yeah, so we, we had to take a course in like IP confidentiality mm. and all this kind mm. of stuff. And um, and then we got access to the ultimate top secret document, which was um, put it this way, it was so top secret, like they found a copy in, in Trump's bathroom. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it was like this creative Bible that was like 168 pages of wow. backstories and concept art and maps. And like, it was just the geek holy grail you know mm -hmm. and, and the thing is you know i think there are some probably creators artists and writers who may like not feel great about about doing something that's connected to a theme park or something because then you have like not only you know you have to you know work with imagineering and lucasfilm and marvel so like there's several you know potential hoops but to me as a as like i was just geeking out over this thing and then ultimately they actually like flew Will and I down to Disney World to do signings, and we were treated like VIPs and had our like gifted hotel rooms and access and all this kind of stuff. And um, so I kind of feel like it was just this magical experience. But you know, it was it was hard in the sense that, especially for Will, <laughs> less so for me. <laughs> um, I, I I tell the story before, but uh, you know, I really wanted because it was going to be coming out before the theme park opened. So for a lot of people, it's going to be the first look at the, you know, at Batu, 
And um, so I had like literally on page two and three of the first issue, this first order shuttle flying Mm -hmm. over the entire spaceport. So you're going to see this aerial view. And I was like, let's give them what they want. Like, we're going to show the whole thing. (laughs) And I, you know, Will seems very polite when you see him in interviews, but when he's tasked with drawing something that doesn't yet exist and knowing that if he makes a mistake with it, literally like there are going to be people walking around the park holding this thing <laughs> up and realizing it. how wrong he was. So yeah, I did put him in a bit of an uncomfortable position, but at the same time, I think the the finished result was pretty cool. So, um, you know, and then within it, you know, they, they wanted to concentrate on Doc Ondor's store and, mm-hmm. um, because there were some other, there were some other novels that were going to focus elsewhere, but I didn't want to do an anthology, like a pure anthology thing. Cause then it's like, well, if I miss issue two, who cares? Like, you know, I wanted to, there was like a framing story that ran through the whole thing, a heist. Um, but there's a, you know, the cool thing was like, I needed like three, I think three or four, um, kind of MacGuffins, you know, to, to sort of, uh, like one was the baby Sarlacc. I knew there was going to be a baby Sarlacc there. There was a lightsaber of a random Jedi that was trying to figure out which Jedi it was going to be. Um, and then there was a statue that was made out of Kyber crystal, which I'll get back to in a second. And then the punchline, like, or not the punchline, the, the main thing that they were looking for was a uh, a black sword. Um, and that mm. they were going to put that sword up in the store. So we knew about that. But the statue didn't exist. I just needed like three things, right? To, right. To um, so a lot of fans were like asking about the statue and, uh, and then like one day it just shows up in the store, oh. like as described in the comics. So I think they just made one to avoid. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that cool? Um, well, so yeah, I so... remember when, when the park opened people, I mean, people were digging through those details everywhere. Like it, what is, what is this thing on the wall and what is this thing? So like, I, obviously, you know, people are going to be looking yeah. out for it all. Like, yeah. The yeah. pictures of the blaster bolts from Thrawn alliances being on like the side of a canteen or something like that is yeah. always, you know, but I, I do like that you mentioned that because I did pick up the doc on <laughs> black series almost entire, not yes. entirely, but a large portion of it was because of the Sith sword that ends up in the comic book. I didn't even yeah. know that existed. That's so cool. It came out. Yeah. It's, it's on the wall. Yeah. No, I mean, I just meant the, the black the series. series. Yeah. Or the oh, yeah. 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 I, don't, pretty... I don't keep up with the figures. Well, it's good though. Um, I, that's actually something I've wondered about with both like the Galaxy's Edge or the Halcyon Legacy. A lot of those books came out around that time, sort of promoting the part. How do you write that without it feeling like an advertisement? You know, because like there's that you're because you're reading the books and it's like, and then they passed by Doc Gondars and they got some Ronto roast wherever. And it, you, there's a delicate balance there, right? I, you know, I don't see it as a balance because. The whole thing about this particular, like if it was, if I was writing a haunted mansion or pirates of the yeah. Caribbean, it's not really like, I kind of would maybe struggle with it a bit more. I love those rides and it's not nothing about mm-hmm. that in particular, but with th- this is because everything in the star Wars franchise is part of this larger story. It's really just a, a an incredible setting, right? Sure. Like that you can do so much with. And, and again, both those series, I, I was instructed but also wanted to do stories with different time periods with different characters that i've kind of liked playing with so um i didn't that was like just fun it was like no downside to it. <laughs> um because it wasn't like i'm telling the official 
story that the cast members are saying, like, you know, as they right. walk around or something like this is this incredibly rich detailed setting that I can pretty much do almost whatever I want in. And, you know, at the time I always wanted to write Han Solo and Chewbacca. So I got to do a story where they're trying <laughs> to harvest the baby Sarlacc and, and, um, <laughs> you know, it was just, um, there was no downside as far as I was concerned. Um, and also, like you know, I'm, I'm sure have the three of you visited. Uh, uh, yes. I have <laughs> okay. Neither. Well, when wait. I'm go... the only one. I went to the Florida one. Yeah. 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 So, like, when the other two, when you do visit it for the first time, like it's it's not a cynical place. Like it, right? It is your childhood imagination? It made feels. Real. It does feel like really like like they took like a section out and it feels like you're on like an actual like movie set and it yeah. feels like only m- way more so it feels like oh man like like everywhere i look i can see like all the uh angles here like i don't go around the corner and see like you know cardboard you know holding things up it feels it feels very like you're really in there it's a it was a great experience like um we didn't get to do the rise of resistance but I'll forever it's burned in my memory we did the uh yeah, Millennium Fa- the Millennium Falcon yeah. one yeah, and yeah, the sp- yeah smugglers run and I remember like I was in the pilot seat and then like I was with my brother who doesn't really show a lot of emotion but like the moment like the it lit up and says hey activate the hyperdrive I saw yeah. his eyes like water almost as he grabbed <laughs> that and pulled yeah. it down it's like that's such like a magical moment of like oh man you really are in it so yeah and you know thanks to your work it feels like you know I I think i read the uh comic like right before i went or right after i went it's mm-hmm. very much a like oh wait i've been there i've been there but not in like a like a cynical way more like yeah. wow they really did think about all this didn't they you're, you're like you know, leonardo it's, dicaprio meme like, what was I, I weird that is that place. they they gave copies to like cast members as like because the cast members were digesting oh. everything they could about the mm-hmm. yeah so the for both the house yeah, <laughs> yeah like homework yeah. essentially Essentially, so, yeah. So, sort of related. Uh, did you did you get to visit the Halcyon before it disappeared? I didn't. I didn't. Uh, it wasn't ready yet when we were yeah. at that stage, and then uh, I thought there would be more time. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah I think we all did. A yeah, no. I mean, I I will say this. I will say this. It is was such an ambitious, um, incredibly smart project. It's just like they they dreamed big, like they mm-hmm. really dreamed big. Like you know, like they, their production was prop, like from all the videos and everything I saw yeah. was so insane. Like I wouldn't be surprised if like elements of that will start appearing over the next several years somewhere else. You know, yeah. I mean, I was like, I, I hope always heard so. it described as more of like you know, it's not a hotel; it's like a forty hour long live theater performance, like an immersion experience. Cool. Yeah, but you know, I guess as much as we'd love to talk about the parks for for forever i mean i really could even though I, again, that's a different podcast still, still my i'm sure list. still have not made it but I've, we should probably talk a little bit about bounty hunters and why we're here yes i suppose <laughs> yeah um so i guess taking off over to that uh obviously the the main character is is baylor valence or valent uh, let's start there how do you pronounce valence oh dang it yeah uh jake no, has it's... been vindicated because, uh, yeah, I say Valence, but... Jason Fry told me this, so I can definitively say he was named after, as a nod to this famous, like, uh, movie Western called Who Shot Liberty Balance. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That's yeah, where the with, name... Uh, Jimmy Stewart. Well, 
yeah, if if Jason Fry says it, then I definitely yeah. will believe him. Um, he yeah, he, he knows his stuff. Droids. Oh, that's a yeah, different if, thing. If, if we're gonna talk about pronunciation, I had this down later. Uh, four lom or four l o m. It's four l o m. It's not my choice. I did not do this <laughs> okay. to you. The, the very the diplomatic. Answer. Yeah, no, it's like C three P O R two D two. It's basically phonetic so that you can spell it correctly. Yeah, <laughs> we, we we've yeah, talked so. a lot about it. Every time I read that, I'm like, oh man, that's canon. <laughs> I know. Uh, then you're just, sending your hate hate mail somewhere else. That's, yeah, that's all right, Pablo's going to hear from us. <laughs> right. um, but anyway, so for, for Valance, uh, we, we saw in our research that um, the idea of a Valance comic, because he, he was around in the 77 run, but not that much. Um, it sounds like that came, yeah, exactly. From uh, Mark Panicia. I'm actually not sure how to say his last name. I've only Panicia? ever heard him called Panicia. Panicia. Okay, yeah. I've always heard people call him Panic, so I, I wasn't sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I don't know him well enough to call him that. <laughs> um, but th- that it apparently, I guess, came from him. What was your relationship with the character, if you even had one at that point? So I remember him vaguely from when I was a kid reading the original run. I'm that old. Um, <laughs> but I did not like the character at all as a kid because he was... <laughs> I mean... He's still kind of angry, cr- crotchety, but uh, he had this pathological hatred of droids mm-hmm. because yeah. he had this self-loathing, basically, because he was like literally. You actually saw under his face at one point is like all metal. It's, it's all terminated um, up. Yeah, before the Terminator. Exactly. Really stress <laughs> it, I, I get a lot of that on social media. It's like, oh, you guys ripped off the Terminator. It's like, no. I think I just caught um, someone on that with the podcast Twitter like yeah. last week. And I understand. I mean, it's like people were complaining when John Carter of Mars came out. It was like, oh, they're ripping off Star Wars. Like, well, it's kind of pretty. Well, it's Star like, Wars, so. yeah, it's from the 30s. <laughs> Edgar Rice Burroughs, you know, he just took Tarzan and decided to put it on Red Planet. Okay. So, yeah. So it was like, um, uh, I, oh, yeah. So, so I did not like the character at all mm-hmm. from, from the beginning. And it was pitched to me that they wanted to do a Bounty Hunters. We had to do two things. Like one, Valance would be the main point of view character, but we'd also have as many of the classic bounty hunters that we could in their, you know, supporting characters as rivals or whatever. Um, you know, I think CB is like me, where we, I mean, we all grew up in the same era. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had those bounty hunters on my bed sheets when I was seven, you know, um, from that famous, you know, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. scene in Empire. Um, so, there was that. And then the good thing about Valance is they, they, you know, because like Marvel had once again been doing Star Wars comics, we wanted to bring back some of the uh, characters that were Marvel characters, right? It's, you know, that were Marvel Star Wars characters. It's, they were kind of, you know, ours. So they kind of elevate them a little bit. Yeah. Um, so it was pitched to me as like sort of an action y, like Punisher in space kind of thing. But I, I really. I thought, well, what if he's more of a veteran who has been like catastrophically injured and he's got this whole like PTSD thing going, but he's like rebuilt physically kind of, but he's still rebuilding himself inside. Like that to me was like the character, like that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And they, to their credit or their, or I don't know if credit's the right word or to, to their detriment, but they let me do it. Um <laughs> And so that was my way in on that character. And then it became kind of more of an ensemble thing as it went. Uh, there was one point where we were going to break off into two comics. Like there was going to be a 
Valance sort of running this dark squadron. Mm. Uh, that's sort of what happened at issue 17. Right. But uh, unfortunately, we were going to do this right when the supply chain crisis was happening. Yep, that was our So like, literally was not enough paper. Yeah, if you remember, I think it was like, uh, it was, I think it was actually in 2021. Right. Um, there wasn't enough paper. So like, that's why there were so many skip months at the time. Because it was like, oh, well, we we can yeah. do like 20 is- uh, issues this week or month we, or week we, or whatever. Yeah, we were uh, we were still doing a podcast, our podcast that Dennis well. So I, I remember like you know reading that one as it was coming out. Uh, as we were wrapping up War of the Bounty Hunter, and it's like you're still a lot coming, but you're going to have to wait like two months now, three yeah. months now. And it well, and you know there was like a weird catch up like not too long ago where you released like two issues like a week apart from each other as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it, it was nobody's fault. It was just like mm-hmm. this larger thing that was bigger than all of us. But unfortunately, sort of, we missed that window where we could have kept that story going. So that's why he sort of left for a while. Then he was in like Darth Vader for a while, and then he came back. Interesting. Uh, well, he but I will came say back. This. His part did not. But yes, that's yeah. some of them, some of them returned. Um, but I, I would, I really liked that group with you know Tonga and and uh Tasso, Bosque. Yeah, I really liked that dynamic. So it was kind of fun you know, without the giant shadow of Valance for a little while to sort of kind of run with them. So that mm-hmm. was, uh, for me, it was kind of really enjoyable to sort of shift gears. Um, yeah. yeah. So like the thing is you, you have to keep changing things as you go or else, you know, people can get bored of it or whatever. So like, it's, you know, when you're, uh, we didn't know how long this would last, you know, certainly when we started, it was no, if you would have told me four years, that doesn't really happen that often in comics anymore, especially mm-hmm. for, something other than like X-Men or Spider-Man or something like that. Especially with so, like a single writer, like made it, like they yeah. have to move on to something else and they bring in someone else. Like, yeah, they'd um, start to reboot like, uh, the number. About, and stuff. I was yeah. about to say like, well, because with all the, like the Marvel, even the 2015 Marvel run, they like swap uh, authors like halfway mm-hmm. through as well. Yeah. For Jason, that one Jason as Aaron well. made it still a very large portion into that run, but true, true. May I'm thinking of uh, the Vader run. No, he, yeah, he swapped to uh, um, Afra. Yeah, and after yeah, but so, anyways, I've been I've been personally on a bit of, bit of a reread um of the series as of late, and I just got to the end of the Terminus Scotland. I think I really have like a greater appreciation of the beginning of the run now that I'm more of I guess a personal connection with these characters, and I was kind of this is more of a comment, but it's like I really enjoyed the way you weaved in Bounce's past experiences to kind of contrast with what he was going through at the time. Uh, with especially with like the there's a mechanic on the rebel ship that's stranded there, and it's like you see Valance in the back in his past have been like I know I got hurt by the Empire and the Empire doesn't want to give me cybernetic because they have no value for my life as an individual, and then you have this other person who's also from a mining world, and they also had an accident apparently at some point in their life, and they have a little cybernetic arm. I think it's just very interesting to compare and contrast. I mean, it's you know just like how the empire and the rebellion take care of its people and using balance is kind of a way to, to look at that structurally. Thank you. But, um, yeah, I mean, I try to work in little things like that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and that's the luxury of have doing an ongoing. Cause like, so, you know, sometimes if you're doing a shorter story, like you can't really, you know, deviate too much from the sort of the main plot or the, you mm-hmm. know, the main a story and B story or, you know, but we could do these little sort of 
I don't want to call them Easter eggs, but mm-hmm. you know, like go off in a bit like callbacks. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I was constantly trying to do that, like over the course as the as it got longer. So for example, when we and I, I this is gonna be full of spoilers for anyone who hasn't read this oh, series yeah, this yet, is, but yeah, yeah. 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 spoiler alert from that. here on in. Um, but like, you know, for example, like the whole memory storyline where he's mm-hmm. losing his memory, I knew how we how we were gonna work out of that. And it was like it goes back to issue 1819, where we set that up. Um, and when I wrote 1819, I wasn't necessarily thinking about that storyline, but I remember that they had that backup. Uh-huh, um, yeah. And so, you know, I, um, I think that was, you know, we could do things like that with an ongoing because we, we set up so much runway, you know. So, uh, yeah, I just tried to yeah. eventually want to tie these strings together. And honestly, like, I want to give credit to to Marvel because... You know, a lot of times a decision whether to keep going or not comes down to there's like a break between where the trades will end up, right? So like mm-hmm. if you're going to end a series, like now is the time versus mm-hmm. like do you need another two, three issues or whatever. And so like 41 was the natural point where, and that was the end of the Dark uh, Dark Droid Saga, uh, or, you know, Bounty Hunters portion of it. And they could have ended it there, but I was like, can you please give me one more issue? And they not only gave me one more issue, they gave me a... You know, plus size, yeah, plus size issue. Um, and then I kept asking for things. Like I asked, like, <laughs> can you bring Paolo back for you know? I give him give eight pages. I just give him to me for eight pages because he's like working on other Marvel stuff. And so he wanted to do it. I wanted him to do it, and so they agreed to it. Um, so like while he was working on, um, I can't remember if it was Captain Marvel or he had already moved on, but um, like you know, he found time to sort of do those. So it was like, it was a nice full circle thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like credit to Marvel because that was like, you know, something they didn't have to do. Uh, but I think right. the series is better for it, you know? Yeah. And honestly, there's, there's something like, I remember when I read 42, um, and I should say like, obviously Palo has been fantastic for the vast majority of the run. Uh, but like all the artists that came after him, and, and you know filled in in between did a fantastic job as well uh yes, but there's like did. just like something like when you like i hit that like page where the art shifted i was like a oh like it's like almost like coming like kind of a coming home for mm-hmm. i guess you know obviously like literally for some of these characters coming home but also like a coming home for you know me finishing the run as i'm reading the very end of it um it's just very uh, yeah definitely very special to get that original team of creatives and, and bounty hunters back for the end mm-hmm yeah, I mean, I was very lucky with all those artists because we, you know, just an embarrassment of riches. Yeah, they were stellar. Um, you you mentioned uh, a moment ago the the scene from Empire with the the bounty hunters, and I don't know if other than maybe Obi Wan mentioned in the Clone Wars, if one small scene has birthed so much stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah. I mean, the none of them talked. They it's just a panning <laughs> shot that like and. IG88 is bolted to the floor. Exactly. Yeah, they don't. Even, they can't move. Um, but but I mean, instantly they got toys, and uh, you yeah. know, we're you're all ma- we're all making our own backstories up for them, and because they're just cool. Um, so obviously, when someone sees bounty hunters, they're gonna think of those five guys, or yeah. I think they're five or six. Um, how obviously you started with an arc with Boba Fett, but what was yeah. it like to like 
not have Boba Fett be – was there a weird expectation for Boba Fett to be the star of this? Because that's what my initial thought was, like, oh, here's – that. Boba there Fett was coming. expectation internally and externally, I would say. Um, <laughs> yeah. I will say this. Like, we put in Boba Fett pretty much any chance we could use him. Um, mm-hmm. There were several factors. Like, number one, and I think we're better that we didn't have Boba Fett for the entire <clears throat> series because, you know, he's clearly, like, the biggest bounty hunter. So right. if he's in there, he's eclipsing everything else, right? Like he just is. So having less of him, and when I say less of him, like that first arc, we could use him in a flashback in the first issue, have him in the last issue, the fifth issue at, in this big battle. And in between, he's like on a surveillance video camera and he's mm-hmm. like a shadow. And like, there's like one little bit in four. So like we had to negotiate like everything and, and it just, there were two reasons. Like one, I think secretly they knew that he was coming back, uh, which we didn't know at the time, mm-hmm. but also he's just a character that's better. You know, I mean, I don't like Charles was amazing for getting him to be the main character in war of the bounty hunters. Like that's such mm-hmm. a get. Um, mm-hmm. Cause in general, I think they liked, they like him as do I, as this very mysterious character that sort of comes in kicks ass and then goes away. You know what I mean? Like this very right. kind of, you know, like it, um, that's what I say. It's, it's hard to make like a good, he's, he's a great character, but he's not a good character. Like you can't have a character focused story on him without like yeah. making it very direct or plot focused or like MacGuffin focused. Yeah. I, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I, like, I don't, yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Please go. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. I was like, I, I really liked what they did with his character in book of Boba Fett, which was like, you know, a much more like, internalized look at, at him and his evolution over you know overall what he's been through but at the same time like just like getting that little bit of him i thought a really good use of their character recently was jedi survivor which you only saw him in the game if you completed every single bounty side <laughs> quest but he just like comes in and is like you know he's just boba fett and you're like that's so sick it, you know it's just like a five second interaction but it, it works this is the yeah. first i'm hearing of that yeah <laughs> But have you seen that for yourself? No, uh, I didn't. I didn't. I, have, I didn't finish yeah. that side of the game. I totally forgot to go back and do all those bounties. Yeah, that was always <laughs> now, like now the, see what you missed. The yeah. weird thing of like, have, like t- trying to talk to someone about it. It's like, well, have you done all of the missions? Just like just <laughs> you, asking you for know. no reason. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, it's it's cool because we did get to see like we've seen a, a lot of Boba Fett. We haven't necessarily seen a lot of you know Zuckus uh, and and Floralom and. And all these side characters. And Dengar. So, and yeah, of course, <laughs> Dengar. Den- uh, Dengar was supposed to be a Hondo, by the way. I had pitched Hondo in that role. And really? there was some I... reason I couldn't use him. I think probably um, they probably at that point in time, he's supposed to be somewhere else or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they were like, right like in Galaxy's Edge. Yeah. So they were like, yeah, or uh, Halcyon Legacy. Halcyon Legacy. I think both. Both. Yeah. Both. I got to write him a yes. little bit. Yes. Um, but I, I particularly, uh, because I, I loved Hondo and I thought it'd be funny to have him, I don't know if you know the, uh, eighties, uh, action comedy movie, uh, midnight run, but it's like Robert mm-hmm. De Niro and, uh, Charles Grodin. And it's like a very, you know, opposite, it's kind of this weird buddy comedy, but it, that, that's sort of what inspired, you know, to have Valance as the, as the no nonsense, easily angered uh robert de niro character and and uh you know hondo is a sort of you know 
the goofy guy uh, the other character yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so uh but yeah so they were like well you, can you think of someone else and i was like uh, dangar yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I actually i came to like him you know um it was kind of yeah. kind of fun the two characters that i think i got the most uh f- i don't want to say fun but i got to do the most with that hadn't been done before were tasso leech mm-hmm. and uh and zuckus like i i had I this zuckus idea yeah. cuz we we knew there was going to be this like force wave going through you know because of the end of um Crimson Crimson Empire. Empire. yeah uh, and, and it was yeah. going to affect it was going to affect like force users and obviously like in the Darth Greg's Darth Vader run like it had major effects on Darth Vader I was like I don't really have a force user <laughs> but I kind of did because we we sort of imply that you know again he's a fineman yeah yeah and that there's some connection even though they're not you know and so i was like well if he's goes into some sort of um coma like thing like what would he be what past event could he be seeing and then i was like you know reaching out to the jedi council you know at lucasfilm like what do we know about the gans and there's like not much so i just made a planet like i got to do that that's so cool like i got to make their whole backstory you know know? it's about you know they breathe methane and that's it and and, well that's i do have a couple like follow-up questions on that like you know i know um daniel jose older also did a lot of like writing with like for and success like did you have to like call him up and say and like compare notes about what you were doing with yes um the big okay i'm biased here right because Mm -hmm. i think this era of star wars comics is a golden age um the the marvel comics yeah. right now are in a, pe- a period uh where we could do so much because they were all overlapping in the same time period like most of the time it's like okay here's a prequel era comic or here's a you know we could do cr- like crossovers that mattered because uh because like in star wars it's all connected right like it's mm-hmm. not this is not a licensing thing where like you tell one story, you know, like the Harry Potter movies don't have to line up with the Harry Potter books or whatever. Right. You know, uh, I'm trying to think of examples. Uh, like there's not that where many, I don't like, alienate anyone. The who, only one. Yeah. Like, um, you know, exactly. So like this was um, an opportunity because we could all connect. And so, um, you know, uh, I forgot where I was going with this, but, <laughs> collaboration yeah yeah collaboration so so uh mark panicia or panic if you will um (laughs) and uh danny and you know before danny tom and and uh, mikey basso and like they would have us all the writers on zooms and when daniel came when he was going to do um the zuckus uh for Mm -hmm. lom uh one shot we collaborated so he was asking, like, where are you? Like, how would that interaction be? And I, I took the great the great story where he basically turned for all for LOM into this horrific spider-like mm-hmm. Frankenstein Murder thing. Toy. So yeah, we we totally collaborated and I I got to work with and I got to get to know better uh somebody who I consider a friend and uh before that I, you know, was a fan. So, you know, mm-hmm. uh so yeah, there was collaboration. We we had weekly Zoom meetings, which were just amazing because you know. I learned so much from these people, um, but but also it helped us keep everything cohesive. And I, that's why I think the crossovers worked so well was because we all were in the loop, you know, mm-hmm. and Charles, who was the quarterback of so much of this, uh, you know, he was constantly like asking, like, what do you want for Valance? 
in War of the mm-hmm. Bounty Hunters. Like, can I use him with Boba Fett? Because it's an unlikely pairing. And I'm like, yeah, can you blow him up? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yes, sure. I can. And so, yes. so, uh, so it's constantly things like that. And, um, you know, uh, I got to know like Alyssa and like, they're just a, a great friend. And um, just, uh, it was just a, it was just a great setup where we could collaborate and just, you know, learn, learn from each other. And it, uh, it's just really, I think the proof is, you know, the results are on the page. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. All right. Now this is, might be the most difficult question I'm going to ask you tonight. Hmm? All right. It is, is like, this is the tricky one here. Do you have a favorite issue of bounty hunters now that it's finished? 42. Okay. Uh, right. I would have said, I would have probably said 17 before that. Um, <laughs> and that's where he gets blown up and as yeah that's the, where his uh, arm gets torn off i yeah. i you know it's funny because most of the time when you're working with artists you don't um get to directly talk to them that much like it's emails exchanges and usually they get a script and then they just work off a script but i would uh skype uh paolo in italy periodically i'm like oh my god this is what you know I, i'd ask him like what character would you most like to draw he loves darth vader so it's like okay we'll get vader in this in this like and how cool it would, would it be? Like you think he's escaped. The whole issue is him escaping and he's just about to escape. And it's almost like I, in the script, I put the, um, um, the Michelangelo, the Sistine Chapel, you know, with God and, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Adam. The creation Adam. of Adam. Yeah. yeah. So I literally was like, they're about to reach for each other. You know, he's, Zuckus is about to save him. And then suddenly he gets pulled and he's only left with the art, like on the page turn, he's only left with the arm. Um, you know, and we're giggling like two little idiots. Um, but, uh, so yeah. And it, I just love that, that thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, you see it's Vader and it's like mm-hmm. a splash page or close to a splash page. Yeah. And, and, uh, I did that for Paolo. Like, um, so yeah, that issue was kind of like the most fun. So yeah. It's, so I it's say, funny, Caleb, you said the issue where he gets blown up, which I feel like barely narrows it down. Like, yes. <laughs> there are a few of those. You were like. You were very rude to to balance through a lot of this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've said this before. Um, where I mean, and this has kind of come out a little bit recently because I have this creator-owned comic called The Haunted mm-hmm. Girl, which I did with my daughter. The very short version of this is my daughter battled depression and was hospitalized and suicidal, and uh, a few years ago, and I was actually writing Galaxy's Edge when that happened, uh, when when this was all sort of uh, happening, and a lot of bounty hunters became sort of overcoming trauma. Like that was sort of, if you, if there was one theme, uh, all the characters like, you know, Tonga almost dies. Um, she has like this phobia of Boba Fett and she has to work through that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Vakora has this childhood of just awfulness and mm-hmm. that has turned her into this like hardened killer. And then when she sort of unpacks some of that, like she becomes, you know, she starts to process and she becomes her own person for the first time, you know? And so like so much of this was just me exercising stuff, you know? Um, but, and also like Valance's arc was basically about rebuilding himself inside over the course of this series and being okay with who he was. So like um, I had to, I had to put them through trauma the entire time and like <laughs> the plot twist the plot twist is going to be happy endings at the end, you know? So, uh, you know, um, but I, you know, I didn't want it to feel like the Hollywood thing. It's like, Oh, everyone lives happily ever after kind of thing. Cause you know, it's star Wars. 
if there's, uh, you know, the next volume of bounty hunters, whoever does it, uh, they could all die in the first issue. Who knows, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I think like that was the trauma was, was the point of getting them to, you know, through their arcs. You mentioned, uh, are we, we, we talked a little about Halcyon Legacy and you mentioned you got to jump back and forth through eras and we were talking about collaboration. If I'm not mistaken, I think you're one of the, only people outside of the small little circle of authors to get to write in the high republic so far yeah because there was that burry story um yeah yeah what was it like jumping into their little world and kind of like stealing their characters for a moment um i i loved it i will say this though it's funny because mike seglane had said you know because we knew the halcyon legacy started in that era the house yeah the ship. right so you know in the five eras that had to be the the first one and mike said this is going to be so much easier because we don't have to worry about the live action like this is our canon so we can kind of but it's actually the hardest thing i've ever written in star wars because so much was happening in real time like they were writing the story in real time so i didn't necessarily know what which characters i could use Mm -hmm. or like how i could use them because you know in fact like the first villain was going to be uh lorna d and like I, I talked to Kevin. He's like, no, no, please. Like I have this whole thing, <laughs> you know? So I was like, okay. So I had to go through all the Nile and like, figure out like, you know, which can I, can I kill this one? Can, can I kill <laughs> yeah. Well, I was, I didn't kill any, I didn't kill. even kill yeah. anybody. I just like, who can I have at this point in time? And like, no one immediately knew the answer because they were like, you know, the, the thing is mm-hmm. if you're, if you're doing a story in the original trilogy era, you kind of know where it begins and ends, right? Like, so you right. can work within that. But they're like they're creating this time period as they you know they're in the middle of writing it so you know it it had i had to really check in with so many people and so many time you know and it, it ended up being very hard but i will say very rewarding because i like i i burns my favorite character from that mm-hmm. uh from that era so um to get to write him in particular was kind of fun although it's hard writing i don't know how charles does it but it's it's really hard writing all those wookie like, <laughs> do, do they give you like a glossary of, of just no. words you can of, of no. letters you can put together r's and g's no. and h's no uh so so do you think you'll i mean obviously you can't tell us too much but are you hoping you'll get to jump back in there at some point and uh i mean i would love to but there's nothing uh imminent right. or yeah the stuff the pitches that i have out are not in that era that's all so okay. yeah so I, there's nothing imminent i will say that well, we I think all three of us have have become big High Republic fans. I saw, in fact, on your Twitter that uh, that you got Escape from Fala, which I'm currently yeah. reading as well. Um, so it's yeah, it's I'm it's behind. I'm, I'm behind. I'm still in I, phase I mean, two. I'm still making it's my hard, way off. It's hard not There's to so be much. It's it's a lot. The problem that I have is uh, during the pandemic, I actually got slower reading. Like I I, I can't. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I used to be able to like sit down and read for like two hours straight. It's just for fun. But now I get fidgety and distracted easily. I, I, I totally am convinced it's a pandemic thing. And, um, uh, but then I also have to read a lot for research, like research for various things mm. I'm doing. So I don't always have time to read for fun. So like high Republic right. for me is fun. Uh, so yeah, so I'm behind. I'm still in phase two. Just, just put the audiobook at, you know, two times speed. 
I, just, yeah. I like the I, I like the act of reading. I'm trying yeah, to sort same. of like retrain myself to to read. Well, don't it. worry. Phase two, just like all the rest of the High Republic, it's all happy endings and all smiles. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I was Very like, joyous. no one can accuse me of trauma while the uh, <laughs> while the luminous crew is wandering around the face of this earth because they are serial killers. They are Jedi <laughs> serial killers. Yeah, uh, that's what. Yeah, when you had Buryaga and Nib Asek, and it's like, well, she doesn't even make it through the first book. And yeah, I didn't, I don't, yeah, I did know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're writing this. You don't even realize she dies on page eight, whatever. Um, that's well, I yeah, hopefully you'll, yeah, hopefully no, you'll she, does, she doesn't fall in star. That was, that one's on, uh, Claudia gray. So oh, yeah, I was yeah. thinking she, of, she didn't, die, yeah, she didn't die until late later. Yeah. yeah. Um, draw and Molly's like page. Like, it's Buryaga's other, uh, <laughs> that's Reed's Oz. Come on. Gosh. Like, it's, okay yeah Jacob you know what the, the thing that i'm dying to get is the character uh you know the character encyclopedia that like, they have for oh, you know, yeah. like a person yeah. folio or something it's yeah. hiding right behind you there jacob where one of your copies is yeah um there yeah. we go yes it's very nice Here. this is also i will shout this out anytime i can chronicles of the jedi cole horton wrote this this oh, okay. is phenomenal it's a fictional history book of the high republic uh, like written by a Jedi in the era, and all the artwork in it is fantastic. So I have to like I'll just show you guys quickly because obviously this is not. Yes. But this yeah. is like my little research thing by my. So I have all these like Star Wars books here. Um, can't see some of them because they're pushed back. But and then I have all like Marvel and DC books here. Nice to just remember research. All, um, research. Yeah, you well, get, you, yeah. You get, you get tax write offs on those, right? <laughs> yeah, I do actually. Yeah. <laughs> good, well, good. Well, I mean, well, it is no for work. Of... I'm not, you yeah, know, exactly. it's not like, oh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, my meth is like what I'm taking tax right. writing. Yeah. Uh, what I know Jacob noticed on that shelf was uh, our favorite book, Timelines. Uh, which yes. Oh, my God. Way, way <laughs> I wish I had too. that. I wish I had that earlier in my Star Wars like, <laughs> career. It's like, it's, it's the best. That and also I will say Battles That Change the Galaxy. Like I've heard good things about that one. Oh, it's so good. All right. So. You know, we've kind of alluded to this and kind of circled this a little bit, but let, let's talk, if you don't mind, about your favorite, like, kind of the big, I wouldn't say it it, it was the, the best thing for your series, but it definitely helped a lot was was Paolo, Paolo Villanelli, yes. him and his art there. You know, you mentioned you started back with the Mace Window in the Age of Republic back in 19. Like, how was it, like, you've mentioned how you would get on Zoom calls with him over in Italy. Was it... Was it as as great as it sounds to work with him for like you know what was it thirty yeah. issues or so consistently? Yeah, thir- thirty one of the of the forty two. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, and you know, it's again, I had incredible other artists, um, W Tinto, like all, all these other great mm-hmm. artists. The thing though is when you work with one great artist for that long, like you develop a shorthand. Um, you know, I could start to write things that play to his strengths. You know, like uh, when I when I started, uh, I would literally use these action figures I had to for myself to choreograph how an action scene would play out and like put that in, in the panel descriptions and things in the script. And then it, like over time, actually very quickly, I realized I have an expert in the visuals, right? Mm-hmm. Like why am I force feeding him such like specific thing and so then it became like okay page eight nine is going to be this big fist fight and by the end of it i want this to happen and the results were just these like incredibly dynamic like just 
he's just so kinetic, you know, that's mm. the adjective I always think from him. Like it just it does not feel two dimensional. Like it, it just feels like you can feel movement. I was about um, to say, like, I think my favorite issue was issue 22, like the, the chaos and coordinate city, which the entire issue is just a giant, like Indiana Jones fight across the city, you know? Yeah. Like you can tell, like, I don't know if he had like action figures out, but his, like the action was so well yeah. put out. It's I love it when a comic, you can read it and like, Oh, I can tell these people are jumping from rooftop to in rooftop and like jumping into, you know, food trucks and driving around. Like you feel the action and weight of their, their characters. Yeah. yeah, like I think, you know, as an example, I think the note was like, Losha has to end up, go from the rooftop to the top of the, you know, that transport and then have this, you know, I have the dialogue of what she says to Tonga, you know, so like, um, you know, a, a lot of the actual actions, though, was was from him. Yeah. So, yeah, well, my, that was an example. My very oddly specific, like, favorite thing of his art like going back to like the kinetic aspect of it was how he did um bosk fighting it was just something like so pleasing about about that mm-hmm. just, like how angular it felt yeah like it, it just you feel the ferocity like the you know, it feels like a feral you know battle um you know he's he's not a, a gentleman <laughs> it's not gentleman's rules you know it's like <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think another one of my favorites was uh, what was it? Issue eleven, I guess, was the Bosk solo issue because that was the mm-hmm. other thing too. I wanted to occasionally have like I had a kind of Dengar solo issue almost. Mm-hmm. You know, I had the Zuckus one. I just wanted to give some of them like you know, kind of it's almost like a jazz band, like this big jazz band. I wanted some of them to have their solos. Not every story necessarily gets to like follow the path you're planning for the beginning. I don't even, I mean, you said you didn't know how long this was going to last. And it ended up going on for four years. So was there anything like specific that when you set out to issue one, you were like, here's what I want for this character. And then as you got writing, it's like, Oh, we're not doing that at all. Like we're going, we're going to go in a totally different direction. No, there's some like larger character arcs that I think more or less landed, you know, I didn't know exactly how we would get there, but, you know, like the, as an example, like the very last uh, page where Mm. balance is holding his hand to the reader. And he's, you know, I knew I wanted some version of that. I did not know who he was holding his hand to in the story. Um, As an example of something that changes, Cadelia uh, was originally going to be with him for a while, but then, Rogu happened and then we were like eh, it's a little too close you know this mm-hmm. idea of um yeah, like, it's, it's all we're all chasing lone wolf and cub you know <laughs> um and then then I thought of bringing the great thing is then Charles was that we went to Charles um and we're like can you incorporate Cadelia into because she's this heir to two syndicates like and this larger syndicate war like can you make use of that and mm-hmm. so then he made her Kira's protege, which was just incredible. And it was just very different. And it gave Kira when, um, you know, she was able to save someone else. And it kind of helped me, you know, I knew I wanted to have her somehow in the, the last issue, but I didn't, I didn't have these two idiot cats of mine. Are just <laughs> around. Uh, it allowed, it allowed me to sort of, um, you know, wrap up that storyline through another, you know, through someone else's uh, book without it, you know, I didn't want to lose the importance of it. Um, so that, but that was something that very much changed. There, there was a scenario where for a while, Valence is essentially like uh, her guardian 
as hmm. there's all these machinations against her kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that changed on the fly. You know, as we said, like we were going to write Valance into another comic and then uh, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> but it got stuck out there <laughs> and allowed me to develop some of these other characters more than I might have gotten a chance to. If Valance was the main character, you know, in that little bit of a whatever it was, uh, 20 through, you know, to the bestine arc. Right. Yeah. So, so that I think, you know, I realized that the book kind of bobbed and weaved a little bit. It wasn't like a straight line, but that's kind of the fun of it too, you know? Yeah. It's, um, I mean, it's really interesting, especially hearing about um, that Cadelia change because a lot of times when there's these crossovers, um, whether at Marvel or, or, or whatever, the shared universe comics, sometimes you can feel where like, okay, this was put in because the, these books have to interact. Whereas Cadelia and Kira, that felt, very planned and yeah. like that felt so natural um it didn't even feel like a shift it just made sense and it, this is not to criticize any other franchise crossovers mm-hmm. anything like that but the thing with star wars because everything has to connect to this larger story you mm-hmm. can't do something where oh it's all a dream you know or mm-hmm. like right or oh, oh right on it later yeah like you know mephisto came back and like the slate like you can't, you can't <laughs> yeah. do that like it has to matter and it has to fit in with this so there's you know i kind of feel like um all of that uh pays off you know mm-hmm. not just i'm not just saying this about my book i'm saying this about that line uh oh, sure. a yeah. period of time this like these four or five years of um storytelling yeah, yeah. so in addition to all like the the story of bounty hunters i think one of my favorite aspects has been hashtag balance nation uh which is i like genuinely like a one of the strongest and most like positive sub star wars fan groups i've been able to interact with over the past couple years uh and they even got a shout out in your your letter at the uh end of issue 42 so like was it meant as like a writer and as a creative having this hyper niche little fan group behind your comic book for the past couple of years? Um, it's meant everything. Like, you know, for starters, uh, this this job is, I'm literally sitting where you see me now, except mm-hmm. normally if I'm talking out loud, it's to myself or yelling at the cats. But like, I don't really have that <laughs> direct connection. Like, you don't really see how people react to things. Like, maybe you see a little bit on social media, but the, the sort of the love and how seriously they took it, um, you know, I... I love that. And I love that it was, it was uh, universally positive. Like I can't remember any, you know, I think there was a little bit, not pre-balanced nation. I think um, when, when Tonga looked like uh, Mm. she died in issue four and I couldn't, you know, there was, there was, uh, I was surprised by the backlash because I just didn't think people were that invested yet, you know, for Mm -hmm. ever. Uh, yeah, so you like, did, I didn't think, think people would be that passionate about you. You no, because off, but... you know, I was a little glib about how I did it, I think, you know, because I just didn't think I thought like she'll come back in a few issues and it, it, you know, the the whole sort of cliffhanger trickery, right? Yeah, yeah. thing. And in this case, I think it was actually three issues though, uh, because I had this two parter. Um, well, yeah, anyway, mm-hmm. long story short. Yeah. So I think that was my first clue that actually, my God, people are caring about these characters. And I'm not just talking about like Boba Fett or Bosk or whatever. Like this is a character that Paolo and I created. Like they don't even know, 
you know, mm-hmm. and they care. So that was like the first time. So I took it a little bit on the chin then and I couldn't say anything because I didn't want to spoil, you know, the, the, it'd be a spoiler to say, don't worry. She'll um, come back and. Yeah. Issues. And it's funny because the whole point of that original, like we're going in the weeds a little bit, but um, in issue four on the bottom of the previous page, her identical twin brother dies and it looks like she dies the exact same way. And the, the message was she was on this path of revenge Mm-hmm. And it was taking her, it was going to doom her the same way it doomed her brother. And that's like the catalyst for her changing and then like finding a deeper thing to, you know, to try to save Cadelia. And like, the, so So it was like this, this, in my mind when I wrote it, but no one caught that. So they only caught the, the death part. So if you reread it, look at the bottom, it was supposed to be a mirror image, except she survives and then that would change her and then it like she would find this deeper thing to seek besides uh, and it would also give her the phobia of boba fett you know right. she's like a you know the survivor of this awful uh, near death experience um so but all of that was lost in the moment because you know there was a single image posted and it was you know a pretty shocking image and so i was you know, I think I probably would have handled it a little differently knowing what i know now maybe mm-hmm. but at the time i was like yeah i'll just kind of do this and it'll be cool. And, you know, when it comes back, it'll surprise everybody, you know? Um, so like, that's the kind of thing you learn over time. So. Perfect. Well, you've mentioned that, you know, you, you learned a lot from that and you're moving forward. You got another kind of bounty hunters, like theme sort of thing. You're working with your Django Fett miniseries. You said it's going to be a four issue miniseries, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So like, what, what can you tell us about it? Like we all read the revelations, like little preview sort of thing. And I, yeah. we definitely don't want you to break any NDAs or anything like that, but yeah, I, well, I like, can tell you this. I can tell you the cool thing about Revol- uh, revelations this year is those stories happen within the, the stories that they're teasing. Mm-hmm. So like in the case of this, this is, you know, he's looking for an artifact and the thief that stole it. And so he was making his way through the underworld. And like he had that experience that was in the Revelation story. What I love about Django Fett in particular, besides if, I mean, he obviously looks cool, but so does, you know, obviously Boba Fett and Mandalorian and, um, you know, uh, you know, so like, but what I, what I love about him is what we know about him in canon, you know, is pretty much, from this fixed period of time where, and I got the bug writing a little bit of him, uh, 37, I believe it was. Yeah. Uh, so, so, um, I definitely got the bug because he, he it has all the coolness of Boba Fett without like, there isn't much I can spoil, you know what I mean? And there is this vast yeah. uncharted period before he takes the Camino job where we don't really know that much about him you know, within, uh, yeah. within canon. Like I've obviously read the, the previous, you know, dark horse books and things, uh, on it. played the video game from like, Oh, four, Oh, three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but, but the cool thing is like, you know, there is a period of time before Phantom Menace where he's just kind of making a name for himself in the, in the galaxy. So I got to tell a story there and that also leaves up, you know, this does really well. If all you listeners out there, you know, buy a copy, maybe we can, <laughs> I definitely have other stories I want to tell within this, you know, within Django's experience in this time. But the other cool thing is like this period of time before Phantom Menace, there's lots of shadowy things going on that we know where it leads, 
but it's kind of interesting to play with that sort of foreshadowing and like, you know, how it all interconnects. Uh, but I've already said too much. <laughs> yeah, I know. The, 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 yeah, the, check not for a saber tooth dart. Check for two worms crawling yeah. through your window. <laughs> I mean, it's New York, uh, so there'll be rats. But uh, <laughs> yeah, there. Um, you mentioned it's before the Phantomus. Do you, can you say how how long before? Because we are kind of timeline nerds here. Or uh, shortly before. <laughs> But I can't say. Sure, sure. I, I can't. I'm, I'm trying to figure out if there's anything that's spoiled. I, let's just say before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah. It's before the. Fall. I mean, it's not Which, set during the High Republic. <laughs> it's not. That right. <laughs> yeah. Django is actually 250 years old. Yeah. <laughs> Django I'm, himself is a clone. It's my favorite yeah, like uh, Wikipedia like articles there. Like the date is just bound by. Well, this character was alive during these 20 years, so it's probably somewhere in there. I don't know. Sometime yeah. in there. It gets tough. Like I still can't believe Wygon is supposed to be older than Mace. Like I, I find that hard to believe. I don't know that I remembered that until you just said that, which I'm sure I, that is. I covered saw it on some book. timeline somewhere, and I was like, "By I mean, it's a, by like a year or two or something like." Okay. But I was like, yeah. "How is that possible?" Hmm. But yeah, interesting. Um. So I mean, obviously, Django is kind of most known because I mean, he was created to be Boba Fett's dad brother whatever you want to call it um <laughs> but how how is it looking at Django and writing him differently from the way you write boba fett because when i write boba fett uh i'm thinking of him as in, as two central parts of his character like when i write him oh, it worked <laughs> yeah i don't even know how that happened but anyway when i write um boba fett i think of him almost like a Jason Voorhees character like this just mm. doesn't talk much comes in mm -hmm. kills a whole bunch of people like he's he's this sort of force that's very hard to um you know and like the thing was every fight that Valance had with Boba he'd lose but he'd come really close because he was a formidable opponent but he was like the second best you know mm -hmm. and um so I very much wanted to have that that kind of you know, you don't know much about him. He's this mysterious and very, you know, this force of nature. But at the same time, I think like so much, you know, as somebody who lost my father when I was 22, like when you lose, imagine being a kid and like you lose your father at that age. It's such a formative void that you fill, you know, however you feel like. And so for him, I think I kind of the way I envisioned him was he was measuring himself with his father in, a, in that mm -hmm. way like you know what i mean so, but there's this sort of, sort of the, there was this darkness to him because of that mm -hmm. whereas Django, at this point in time the way i've written him he's a little bit more of a swashbuckling type uh kind of kind of less haunted character so right. it's it's just a kind of a, a lighter uh side of boba you know what i mean like like mm -hmm. it's it's that's how i enjoyed writing him like you know he talks more uh, than the boba that I write, he's he's sure. Also, um, sure. I wish I could show you like the opening sequence of the first issue. It's, it's <laughs> it comes out when like I wish you could months? too. <laughs> yeah, I want to say it's March twentieth or something like that. That's not bad. It's moved, See, so I don't always remember exactly. <laughs> yes, when March twentieth, I just checked. So yeah, if you okay. are a listener and have you know you have still plenty of time to put in your your pre order at your local comic book store. And oh, by the you way, uh, the art. Friends. The art from Luke Ross and mm -hmm. uh, Nolan Woodard is just amazing. It's just really good. 
Awesome. Excellent. That's so, great. Yeah. I've been uh, a fan of, I mean, Luke Ross, I, about 10 years ago, he drew for the ultimates book and I've been a fan of him since then. And I mean, he keeps getting better and he's done, he's done a few star Wars projects. Oh yeah. Um, he did. He did the main dark droids book as an example. And he that's, worked with me on allegiance. I worked with him on. Allegiance. Yeah. Um, so, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I will still yeah, never just, get over the, the one allegiance page with them underwater for the, like the, the, oh, yeah, yeah. oh my God. Still that was the other favorite, cool thing. Like, like, like working in star Wars. It's like, Hey, how do you know the Mon Calamari? Like, how do they grieve? Mm-hmm. Like, how do they mourn? You know, and mm-hmm. there's no, like, I could, I came up with, like, how, you know, that sort of the funeral, you know, memorials look and things like right. that. So, right. like, for a kid who grew up with this to get the chance to sort of, you know, there's a lot of gray areas on the map and the chance to, to sort of color in a, a little bit of that is 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 humbling and and amazing. Excellent. Well, we won't be respectful of your time. So we have like maybe one or two more questions here. So, you know, I got another one here. So you are now the official bounty hunter guy trademark. Like, like, (laughs) are you, are you happy with that sort of thing? Do you want to keep, would you love to keep doing that sort of thing? Or do you want to start writing more star Wars, like different star Wars here? Um, a lot will depend how different pitches go. (laughs) Different pitches. (laughs) Uh, no, I, I, I mean, I'm honored. I don't know that, uh, you know, I have the right to to sort of claim that title. Um, but I will say, like, I've enjoyed because, you know, like my favorite uh, Star Wars, you know, other media thing mm-hmm. in, in recent years has been, you know, Andor and, and Rogue One. Those have been my two favorites. And what I love about it is they're not the, you know, the the Jedi and the Sith. And, and they're just it's a much more grounded and, mm-hmm. you know, the other central theme, I guess, of Bounty Hunters, besides the overcoming trauma, was the, um, you know, the idea that these are people who it doesn't really matter if the Empire wins or the Rebellion wins. Like, they're mm-hmm. equally, like, they're just trying to carve out a life. Like, they don't care. You know what I mean? It doesn't affect, well, maybe Valance cares, but most of them don't care because mm-hmm. it's just their day-to-day survival is like, you know, they can't think about, like, the greater galactic politics you know so i liked that i like that street level um you know just mo- most of star wars is this good versus evil and this is so gray uh and i i like that that was just like they're more fallible they're you know less noble uh but they're also they're not evil like you know they're just they just did well maybe boss uh <laughs> well, he seems to have a little regret about stabbing his friends in the back on yeah I, the way i saw that you know and and um that's something i wanted to do once i introduced the group is like have one of their own betray him and he seemed like the obvious candidate because it's his nature i mean think about trandoshans literally eat mm-hmm. their family mm-hmm. like if they have sibling you know that's their <laughs> like that's how they establish that's, dominance. That's, how you, that's when you when you're born. That's the first thing you do is eat your siblings. Bosk yes. just didn't really do the best job of it, unfortunately, for him. So. Yeah, for yeah. Him. So so like that's the thing. It's it's his nature. It's the, you know that whole frog and the scorpion. It's it's uh, you know the it's his nature. He was eventually going to do it, even if he kind of hated himself for doing it later. But yes. he'll be fine. He's well adjusted. Exactly. <laughs> I still think but also, I wanted to leave this. Here's the other thing. It's like you want to hand the baton to whoever mm-hmm. follows you. And so it's like there are several different stories you can tell. You can tell like this other bounty hunter crew, which has a number of all-stars 
I was very happy. Like that was my idea to bring death stick back. And so I was like very excited to have death stick in, in, in the, you know, in the comic and the dirge. And like, so you can have another bounty hunters crew. That's a totally different crew. And you made us care introduced to Tassa Leach, the person who had 10 seconds of screen time. In one yeah, movie, well, you know, I knew if I had a little bit more time, I would have stretched that out a bit longer. Mm-hmm. I knew I'd have to give him up, and I knew he'd have to become more cynical and like not speak, um, you know, only speak his his not language, speak basic but, anymore. Yeah, because uh, he was disillusioned. Because uh, that's all like Pablo had that backstory in the visual guide, so like I knew that's where he ultimately ends up. But I was like, hey, he must have been proving himself at a young age mm-hmm. and he would have been about whatever 18 or so like now right you know so what does that look like like yeah. young and I, I was thinking like he's kind of naive and, and innocent as he kills his way through the galaxy but that was kind of my way into that character i really liked him a lot yeah well i yeah. Really, i do really appreciate well, death stick coming back uh, you know i yeah I missed Uprising when it was happening. Uh, I unfortunately also do not have like the sixteen hundred dollars it would take to get the art book that that kind of exists for that. But, yeah. you know. Neither do uh, I. Yeah. yeah. Well, so I actually I did play Uprising. So when Destic showed up, I I have a weird fascination with like the little small obscure parts of canon, just because it's like. Yeah, this is still Star Wars, but no one really knows about it. And so I was playing Uprising when it was out. Uh, I have wondered for now a couple of years, like, how did 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 you go out and pick her, or was that like a suggestion? Or like, no, I that I picked her. I picked her. There was someone else I first floated, um, mm-hmm. and it was Fennec. Uh, but at that time, it seemed like Fennec was dead, so I thought it was safe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, clearly there were other plans which you know uh i didn't know about at the time and then so i was like okay i can't use that character and i was like you know i never played that game but i remember the trailer and how cool it was to basically have like a ninja and then it turns out like found out it was like a, basically a night sister ninja i was like yeah night sister ninja that's all i need to know about this character <laughs> like i'm in so and then yeah. they were like yeah well you can use it. i don't see why not kind of thing and so i was like yes that's that's great because there was her and then i i think she showed up in bounty hunters but it was crimson rain or war the bounty hunters brought in uh amara vex from star wars hunters which yes. i also have a wild that was about. not me that was Charles, right. i think yeah but i like i, I just picture y'all being like who's the most obscure character we can bring in because that game still doesn't even exist in this country well, <laughs> but but the thing is with with a lot of the stuff because star wars exists in this shared mm-hmm. galaxy where all these stories matter they have to be somewhere in this time period right like right not um you know this sort of had and these are important characters like are badass characters you'd think they'd be plugged in in like the underworld at this point in time mm-hmm. you know so um yeah so it's like it's great that we can do that awesome that yeah that's a lot of fun well, I know you mentioned it briefly earlier, but we did want to give a little bit of time to, for you to kind of highlight what you're doing with uh, A Haunted Girl. Um, you talked about it with, you know, it's a, a comic you're co-writing with your daughter, Naomi, from Image Comics. Um, and I've only read the first issue so far, but I, I, I really loved it. And I'm looking forward to eventually being able to pick up the rest of it. So, yeah, can you just kind of tell our listeners a brief a little bit about like what this story has me- meant to you and kind of what it's meant to be able to craft this with your daughter these years later. Sure. Uh, well, thank you for uh, allowing me that time. 
Um, so ha Haunted Girl is a four issue miniseries that is being collected into a trade. Um, it, it's origin literally was when I was writing Star Wars Galaxy's Edge number two, I was writing in the hospital cafeteria. My daughter was hospitalized for uh, major depression and, uh, and uh, you know, feeling suicidal. So at the time I wrote down in a reporter's notebook that I had, like I wanted to come up with a story. Um, and my idea was literally a, a log line that was the fate of all life on earth rests with a girl who doesn't know if she wants to live. And I wanted to come up with the story that plugged into that where it would be like inspirational to her and other uh, teens, college students, whatever, you know, who may be going through similar crises. And so uh, over the years, I teamed up with this artist, Marco Lorenzana, who is amazing. Um, and then uh, it took us so long to sort of get our, I mean, we were close to signing a deal right in like February of 2020 and then the pandemic hit uh, but the, all those delays ended up, uh, you know, my daughter's gotten to a place like a much healthier place. And so I approached her uh, a year and change ago and basically it was, um, you know, do you want to write this with me to inspire other people? And like, you know, kind of have to put yourself out there because like we're telling your real life story. And mm -hmm. uh, it, the, the a Haunted Girl is a supernatural, um, you know, horror, uh, very much in the vein of the grudge or, or the ring and uh, things like that. my daughter's half Japanese is like really big into, uh, you know, Japanese culture. So uh, originally the character would be recognizable to her. And so it kind of morphed from there and it became something like, you know, uh, um, more authentic and, and sort of more special to, to sort of have her on board. And we teamed up with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and the American Psychiatric Association. So they provided like resource guides um, so at the back of every issue and, uh, the trade paperback is going to have all that and is coming out in, um, on May 21st, uh, in time for, uh, mental health awareness month. Um, uh, and, uh, right. the last issue of the four issues, just also some amazing covers like, uh, yes. my good friend Casada, who basically brought me into the world of comics also gave us a free cover, uh, to show his support for issue one. And so to get that, you know, get like a Joe Casada cover is uh, pretty amazing. But we've, mm -hmm. Paolo Villanelli uh, did a cover, like a, just nice. a yeah, it's, it's some amazing covers as well. So yeah, very, very proud of that. I've, I've gone on a, like a little tour across the country to do signings and I've had people tell me very personal stories and they were inspired by it. And, like one teacher told me he bought a bunch of um, copies for some students who were struggling and one called the emergency crisis number in the back of the book. So like, you know, I don't know how many copies it'll sell. Uh, you know, there's some studio interest, but who knows or whatever. But like, I know at least one person called that number and that kind of makes it the whole thing like worth it, you know? That's great. Yeah. No, that's really incredible. And, you know, I really appreciate you sharing that with us and, you know, also this comic with, uh, with everyone. Um, yeah. I, I also on the cover front, if you are a, you know tied into star wars comics oh, and yes. people like that uh we have a very uh great there's a really great fan artist if you're not familiar i don't know how to pronounce her username i just it's cheeriel in my head her name's yeah, ella that, um yeah. she got to do an incentive variant for issue four that is phenomenal uh she also is doing yeah. a higher public adventures variant for number three i believe um yes. But yeah, that was also very exciting to see her work. An incredible there. artist. Yeah, I wanted to make sure I got. And, I, you know, there are other incredible artists in Balance Nation. So mm -hmm. 
as soon as I can get another creator of an opening, I want to get at least one. I want to, I want to help too, because like, you know, uh, these artists are great and I would love to give, uh, you know, an opportunity if I can, uh, in the world of comics. Uh, but yeah, she, I mean, she's a professional artist. This, this was going to be her first cover. Um, we had a skip month and Daniel is going to get the honor <laughs> by a few weeks, but yeah, it's uh it's a good time to be a fan of, uh, of, uh, Sherry L. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce her, uh, uh, professional name either. Yeah. Uh, but I, I will say amazing artist. It is, uh, spelled C H E R R I I E L L E. And all the double letters always mess me up, so I, I definitely had to pull it up yeah. for myself. But yes, uh, definitely, uh, that cover is, is gorgeous. Um, so, but you know, I think that's all the questions we had for you. So, you know, really appreciate you coming and talking with us for for this evening. My pleasure. And, uh, thanks for having me, and thanks oh, yeah. for uh, all the support over the years, despite um, yeah, of course, <laughs> despite the trauma. Which, yeah, I guess I mean one obvious question we skipped out is. When does Bounty Hunter Volume Two start, and uh, where where are we going to see more balance? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know if there is an answer to that, but I don't have it. <laughs> so whatever the answer is, I do not know the answer. Wow. Well, let's we'll have to stay tuned. So, Ethan, if yeah. people want to keep up with your work, where can they find you? I mean, for now, I'm on uh, Twitter slash X, Ethan J Sachs. You can find me on Instagram and Blue Sky. Uh, starting to dabble in threads um yeah those are probably the best places to find me awesome well i appreciate it and here comes the long out not that long outro script and that'll do it for this week's episode of the cosmic force don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review it goes a long way and we really appreciate it you can follow us on twitter and tweet the show at cosmic force show to stay informed about star wars comic news for articles reviews news and uh everything for the rest of the wild galaxy of star wars content please be sure to visit ut.com and join our ut discord by going to ut.com slash discord a special thanks to our patrons brian dooley carl sander michael fry and raymond bazinski on our jedi high council and james t ashley ingles colt five chris carrizo and sal and chris eilerson on our alliance high command for all their amazing support thank you caleb oz and special guest ethan for talking bounty hunters with me tonight and everyone else may the force be with you